1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie have the night off. We begin with a shocking admission from the head of BC Hydro about that frightening explosion of one of its electrical vaults in downtown Vancouver earlier this year that injured two people. Kristen Robinson joins us with more on this. Kristen Hydro admits it knew about the danger years ago.
2: BC Hydro apologizing after admitting not only was February's underground vault explosion in downtown Vancouver preventable, the Crown Corporation knew it was an accident waiting to happen.
3: I take responsibility on behalf of BC Hydro for the failures that occurred, and this incident should never have happened.
2: A third-party review found the February 24th blast outside the iconic marine building was caused by a buildup of combustible gases from a leaking gasket. The hydro vault directly underneath J.J. Bean's sidewalk patio suddenly erupted into a fireball captured on dash cam, shooting up to four stories high. Two people were injured and several businesses damaged. Witnesses say it was a miracle no one was killed. BC Hydro says the investigation determined the underground vault was one of 14 classified as high-risk seven years ago. If not properly maintained or replaced, the result could be severe injury or death. Equipment was replaced in 13 of the vaults, but not Burrard Street. This vault was identified as being a risk of blowing up as far back as 2016, yet nothing was done until it exploded in February. Is that correct?
3: Yes, the vault was... um, identified as a risk um, and it was um, that information was provided to management it was not escalated within the organization.
2: Who was in charge and why were they not made aware of how much of a safety issue this was and why were repairs delayed for seven years?
3: Well we are continuing to review um, what happened beyond 2016 um, from 2016 until today to understand why it wasn't escalated and what actions were taken.
2: As we reported in March, the Crown Corporation has since decommissioned the only two similar electrical vaults in the province in Vancouver's West End and Chinatown. A third-party review of other underground electrical equipment is underway. How can the public be confident this won't happen again and what other safety issues are not being addressed by BC Hydro?
3: Well, I mean, BC Hydro generally has, has had a good record of um, public safety and, and we recognize this This is a big incident. It should not have happened um, and and shakes that confidence. So it's really our job to, to rebuild that confidence.
2: BC Hydro CEO only taking a few questions from reporters on this major failure. The Crown Corporation has notified its regulator, the BC Utilities Commission, of its investigation findings. Jordan?
1: All right, a startling admission, Kristen. Thank you. B.C. conservation officers have launched an investigation after a bear was shot with a crossbow in an urban area. It happened near Coquitlam's Minicata Park. And as Paul Johnson reports, witnesses say they saw two men hunting the bear. A black bear fishing
4: for salmon near Minicata Park. For those who love black bears, Minicata and its surrounding fields and waterways are one of the most reliable places to have a memorable encounter with a bear.
2: I just saw some down the road, um, a little big one and then a smaller one walking along.
4: With so many feeling like they have a personal connection with the Minicata bears, many were stunned to hear of an incident on the evening of the 14th where conservation officers and Mounties responded to reports of a bear that had been shot with a crossbow. Witnesses took this picture, which they say shows the bear and the two men who had hunted it. While witnesses say the bear subsequently died, the Ministry of Environment has only confirmed that a bear was shot and that an investigation is underway.
5: I heard about the one, somebody shot one with an arrow last, last week and uh, it's dead I assume, right?
4: So you're looking at Minikata Park here. Now just across this road is a massive tract of blueberry farms. B.C.'s leading bear experts say that Minicata has been a good news story in terms of human-bear interaction, with the exception of the issue of bears regularly going out into the blueberry fields for food and forage. On Thursday, the employer of the alleged hunter told Global News that the hunter had permission from the landowner to hunt bears there, that he had all of the proper licenses and had done nothing wrong. We couldn't reach anyone from Bilne Farms, where witnesses say it happened. Nor was it clear from the conservation officer's service whether it's currently legal to hunt black bears there with a crossbow. Legal questions aside, those who love the Minicata bears are outraged and say those bears are so accustomed to people, hunting them with a crossbow would hardly be sportsmanlike.
5: Pretty horrific that somebody would do that to the... Wildlife, this is their habitat. We're just uh, passing through, right?
4: In Port Coquitlam, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: The B.C. government has set a deadline of 2035 for all new cars sold in the province to be electric. But as Richard Zussman reports, an incentive program designed to help install more residential EV charging stations proved so popular it's now run dry.
6: Ready and we're going to put our charger in. Right this here. is where Josh Good plans on putting his new electric vehicle charger. The problem is the money he was expecting from the province now is incoming.
4: We actually don't have our vehicle yet and we want to put our charger in so we're ready to go on day one. Um, and now we're thinking about delaying on it because we don't know if there'll be in, uh, be rebates in the
7: future or not.
6: The province's EV charger rebate program was started in 2019 offering up to $350 for installing a home charger. It was topped up in 2022 but is now run out.
4: Having that additional money coming in and having that incentive uh, adds a sense of urgency for, for homeowners to say, "Hey, let's get a, let's get advantage let's take advantage of this."
6: The province says the program was more popular than expected, and it's unclear when more money may be added.
8: Those are conversations we have to have through our, our budgeting processes uh, through the province, and um, I hope that we'll be able to continue to support people.
6: The province's program for those personal charging devices at home, that's drained. So is the program for electric vehicle rebates, that's out of
8: charge. And we've got the premier and the NDP completely flat-footed, um, having over-promised and then under-delivered on programs that are really important to British Columbians.
6: The government also has a program for strata buildings, which is run out of money. But there's a federal program still accepting applications. The challenge for condos, townhomes and apartments is playing catch-up as demand is expected to grow. We don't have a lot of pressure yet because we don't have that many vehicles. Um, I think the next three to five years we'll see um, a significant change in a wave. We're fortunate Good hopes the province provides a rebate boost soon and doesn't short-circuit a program wanted by so many. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Now, BC has been leading the way when it comes to electric vehicle adoption. In 2022, light duty EVs, cars, SUVs, and pickup trucks accounted for 18% of new car sales. In 2015, there were just 5,000 EVs registered in BC. That number has now passed 100,000. Based on current gas prices, drivers who switch to an EV will save about $2,500 a year on fuel. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, the premier was asked today about BC's power production challenge. Mm. What did he have to say? Yeah, you know, with all these EVs envisioned in the future in a relatively short
9: time, that begs the question, where is all this power going to come from? Where is all this electricity going to be originating from? And also, how do we move electricity around the province? Right now, it takes BC Hydro about eight to 10 years to build a transmission line. Today, the premier says that has to be accelerated. That's unacceptable. These timelines have to be moved up because the rush and need for electricity is going to go up at least 15 percent in the next seven years. And hydro has to change some of its construction practices. Here's the premier.
7: So being able to bring down those timelines to deliver electricity more effectively, uh, we're certainly looking to sustainable electricity producers across the province to be able to provide additional capacity in the call that's going out in 2024. BC Hydro is monitoring what we're uh, able to produce, what the market is able to absorb, what the projections are under our climate strategy, and they will be building out capacity to meet that. And we're gonna help them by putting the mechanisms in place to be able to deliver that for British Columbians to really grow our economy and leverage our advantages in this new and low carbon environment.
9: So you just heard the Premier there talk about a power call from BC Hydro next year. That's the first one in 15 years. Again, reflects the need for more electricity. And this, this new power is going to be coming from 100% renewable, not fossil fuels, which means we're going
1: to see a lot of wind farms and solar panel farms uh, in the near future right across the province. All right. Thanks for this, Keith. Now to another type of challenge. More and more first-time home buyers in Canada are relying on help from parents and grandparents to come up with a down payment and help for their mortgage payments. That's according to a new study by Royal LePage. As Aaron MacArthur reports, realtors are seeing a lot of changes when it comes to first-time buyers
10: during tighter economic conditions. It doesn't seem to stop. The prices keep going up, and for many, homes simply get further out of reach. A new survey by Royal LePage has put some of that calculus into focus. Especially for first time home buyers.
0: Really, across Canada, first time buyers are strangling. Almost
10: three quarters of first time home buyers are worried that their down payment won't be enough. And as a result, most end up expanding their search to areas
11: where homes are cheaper. And even then, it's not enough. We just had a client that started off in Burnaby, then we looked at New West, into Coquitlam. We finally ended up in Port Coquitlam last week. Ten offers. We had to go way over the asking price to even have a shot at it.
10: Forty-one percent of first-time buyers across BC need help with their down payment. Nineteen percent get help with monthly payments, and for more than half of first-time buyers, the financial help comes as a gift. As the rates go up, the uh, mortgage amount that they qualify for is getting less and less. So, bank mom and dad are are digging deep into their home equities to come up with that difference. Higher interest rates are also contributing to affordability questions but have had almost no impact on market supply or on price points. The housing market pricing out all but the richest first-time buyers and their parents. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. BC Ferries has announced its summer schedule
1: and it's mixed news for travelers. Our Janet Brown is in Tawasin with the details. Janet, what do people need to know?
8: The BC Ferry summer season is about to get underway and the Ferry Corporation is saying there will be more sailings and more staff but at the same time they are warning customers there could be some cancellations and more tied up ferries like the one right behind me.
4: Yeah I've always found interruptions on the ferry service so I'm just used to it
11: I'm prepared for it.
8: victoria bound drivers and passengers please return to your vehicles immediately for boarding. BC Ferries says the problem is the same as the last few years, staffing. And it's not going to be solved soon. It's a challenge we're not going to get out of right away. It's going to take time. But he says they're making progress hiring 1,200 people over the last year. We have changed the way we hire people. So we are guaranteeing hours for those temporary folks that we hire to run our peak summer season. That's a good thing. We've invested more in training so we can get people certified. The Ferry Workers Union says what employees are paid is one of the problems when it comes to hiring and retention.
12: Of course, uh, compensation is always uh, front of mind, especially as we watch uh, inflation increase at a rate that's uh, faster than our collective agreement has uh, adjusted for.
8: For ferry users, facing a summer of possible disruptions is not welcome news, but they're taking it in stride.
13: I think the ferries are wonderful, but uh, I think they're unpredictable.
9: It's it's just it's the way life goes. Can't get too frustrated about it. I miss the uh, the dinner, the dinner time special, the prime rib and the salmon. Bring it back, please.
8: So the advice for ferry travelers this summer is to get as much information before leaving home or leaving for the ferry terminal. Try to make a reservation if you can, and finally pack your patience because you may need it. Janet Brown, Global News.
1: Thanks, Janet. A debris field is found with no survivors.
3: Approximately 1,600 feet uh, from uh, the uh, wreck of the Titanic.
1: All five passengers aboard the Titan submersible are believed to be dead. Why all signs point to a catastrophic implosion. Next on the News Hour. Widespread losses in BC's wine industry. The devastating toll on grapes caused by the December cold snap coming up. Also,
13: he got up on the wall and got the fire axe, and he aimed it at me.
1: From One Muhammad Ali guy. to Elvis, the newspaper photographer who spent decades capturing BC's memorable moments. That's later. Right now, a tragic end to the search for a missing tourist submersible that disappeared near the wreck of the Titanic. All five people on board are believed to be dead, killed in a catastrophic implosion of the vessel. Global's Mike Armstrong has more on how the discovery was made and what we know
11: about the final moments of the sub. The Coast Guard says it found a first debris field 500 metres off the bow of the Titanic. In it there were five different major pieces including the nose cone. They then found another smaller debris field. In that one, they found the aft end bell. Basically, both ends of the Titan have been found.
3: The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. Upon this determination, we immediately notified the
11: families. Now, the Coast Guard was asked if there's any way to tell if the implosion would have been above the Titanic or possibly from a collision with the wreck. It says the location is fairly far away and in an area with no titanic debris. As for when it happened, it was likely before the search started. Otherwise, the sound of the Titan collapsing would have been picked up by the sonar boys that have been listening in recent days.
3: This was a catastrophic uh, implosion of the vessel, which would have generated uh, a significant broadband sound.
11: Now, if things had gone according to plan, the Titan sub would have headed here. Memorial University's Marine Institute, about a half hour outside St. John's, has a pier. It's the Titan's home base before and after trips to the Titanic wreck. Students work with Ocean Gate Expeditions as part of a partnership. The Marine Institute isn't talking right now. Oh gosh, everybody I know is. For locals, it's the only thing they're talking about.
3: Anything happening on the ocean is very important to everybody here. Uh, It's lifeblood for most Newfoundlanders and Labradorians.
11: The company that ran the tours issued a statement after the announcement the men were lost. It says, quote, These men were true explorers who shared a distinct spirit of adventure and a deep passion for exploring and protecting the world's oceans. Our hearts are with these five souls and every member of their families during this tragic time. We grieve the loss of life and joy they brought to everyone they knew. The daughter of the French maritime expert killed on the Titan says if her father's final resting place is with the Titanic, he died doing what he loved and is now with the ship he spent much of his life studying. She says it's reassuring that he's there
8: and
11: that where he is, he's happy.
8: This
0: episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: A somber and heartbreaking news conference in Manitoba today as police revealed the names of those killed in a bus crash a week ago. One by one, officers and family members placed photos of the victims who ranged in age from 68 to 88 at the front of the room, which was silent as those in attendance paid their respects. Some family members gave the RCMP messages to read about their loved ones. Nettie
4: Nakanechny, 87 a long-time resident of Dauphin, former schoolteacher, and Baba, to not only her own grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but to the many others who knew her. She was very proud of her UK- Ukrainian heritage. She will be missed by all of us who loved her. The word tragedy has been used a lot over the last week, but never has that word had as much meaning as it does when we look at the photographs that line this room. There's been a cloud over this community since the collision
1: occurred. Nine people are still in hospital with serious injuries. The minibus had been taking the seniors to a casino west of Winnipeg when it was struck by a semi-truck on Highway 1. The investigation continues. One person is dead and three others hurt in a high-speed rear-ender in downtown Vancouver early this morning. It happened around 3 o'clock. Police say a white minivan slammed into the back of a Honda Accord that was stopped at a red light. At Georgia and Barard, Two passengers in the Honda were taken to hospital in critical condition. A third person from the Accord was pronounced dead at the scene. The van caught fire but the driver was extricated and taken to hospital with serious injuries.
2: Although it's very early in the investigation our uh, collision investigation unit does believe that speed and impairment by drugs are factors in this collision.
1: Police say they have identified the 34 year old suspect and charges are pending. Anyone with information about the crash, including dash cam footage, is asked to contact Vancouver Police. The overpass protest that just won't end. We're hearing from a number of people in the community who quite frankly have, have had enough of it. Next on the Hour: why demonstrators keep showing up despite being served an injunction. Also the new addition to Vancouver's Chinatown and how it honors a community pioneer. And from Global
9: One above the Lionsgate Bridge and smooth flow both directions. They've just switched the center lane from southbound to northbound. So two north going onto the North Shore, one south. A bit more flow south as you head on to the bridge deck this hour. Contact Kermak for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermak Cares for Kids. Kermak is celebrating 50 years of collision on autoglass services. Choose the best. In Global One above the Lionsgate Bridge, I'm Brad Russell.
14: From the stories that affect us all, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When B.C. needs to connect, B.C. turns to the source that brings us together. Global News.
1: It's been more than a month since the B.C. Supreme Court granted an injunction to keep a controversial group of protesters off a busy North Vancouver highway overpass. But so far, RCMP have not enforced that injunction. And as Krista Dow reports tonight, a small group of demonstrators were back today.
15: For months, this has been a part of Thursday's commute in North Vancouver. The group significantly smaller with only five people protesting Thursday. These individuals have really embedded themselves uh, into this location and to this community. Stephanie Wilson has been watching these weekly protests for months. She says not only are the messages along the mountain highway overpass hateful against the trans community, they're distracting.
16: I've talked to many people um, who are really upset that they have to drive through this every Thursday.
15: Every week
17: we're still seeing these people come and uh, protest and quite frankly uh, torment our, our community. Uh, WITH THEIR MESSAGES OF HATE.
15: A B.C. SUPREME COURT INJUNCTION ORDER ISSUED ON MAY 11TH BANS ANYONE FROM HANGING SIGNS OR GATHERING ON THE MOUNTAIN HIGHWAY OVERPASS.
3: WE HAVEN'T hung UP SIGNS SINCE THEIR INJUNCTION.
15: NO SIGNS POSTED BUT THE PROTEST CONTINUED AND MORE THAN A MONTH LATER, NO ARRESTS. THE MINISTRY OF TRANSPORTATION PLACING THE ONUS ON THE RCMP AND SAYS ENFORCEMENT IS THE POLICE'S RESPONSIBILITY. But RCMP say it's not that simple, and it needs more information.
10: Once we have that clarification, we'll be able to go out and enforce injunction. We have to protect the integrity of the judicial system and uh, make sure we don't infringe on anybody's rights.
7: I wish those people would certainly go home. Uh, But if nothing else, uh, we need to ensure that, uh, that the public is safe and that the demonstration doesn't compromise public safety.
15: But without a clear answer from either side, community members say... They have concerns.
16: No one really seems willing to say this needs to stop and this needs to stop now before people get hurt.
15: Right
17: now we're not seeing uh, much of a response at all from the RCMP and quite frankly that's very disappointing.
15: While the RCMP are seeking clarity, the protests will continue. Chris Dow, Global News.
1: The city of Vancouver is opening up a satellite office in the heart of Chinatown. The announcement was made this afternoon at the Chinatown Storytelling Centre the city says, the satellite office will coordinate revitalization efforts for the historic district. Mayor Ken Sim made a campaign promise to establish an office in the community.
3: One of the most significant um, commitments we made during the last election was to open an office right here in Chinatown so we could be on the ground seeing firsthand what's going on and how we can make uh, the situation better. And today, today we're uh, incredibly excited to announce that we will be opening that office in July.
1: Sim says if a motion passes, the new Chinatown office will be named after Juan Alexander Kumyao. He was a community leader and the first person of Chinese descent known to have been born within present-day Canada. A deadly shooting on the Sunshine Coast, the crime scene, a highway. What we know about the investigation next on the News NewsHour. Plus, why the former mayor of Kelowna is no longer accused of sexual assault. All your local news. All your breaking news.
14: All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6.
9: And good evening from Global One. We're high above Falls Creek, beautiful Falls Creek, and the Camby Street Bridge this evening nice sunny skies and no problems getting out of the core on all three bridges in fact and I just wanted to show you the BC Lions are playing at BC Place against Winnipeg right now in that stadium where they're 10-3 to 3 in the second quarter. More on that in sports. Contact Kermak for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermak Cares for Kids. Kermak is celebrating 50 years of collision and autoglass services. Choose the best. In Global One above False Creek, I'm Brad Russell.
1: IHIT is investigating a fatal shooting on the Sunshine Coast. RCMP were called around 3.30 this morning to Half Moon Bay, northwest of Sechelt, where they found a man lying on the highway. Despite efforts of first responders, he did not survive. A suspect was identified on scene and taken into custody. Investigators are still working to identify the victim. If you were in the 8,000 block of Birch Way in Half Moon Bay early this morning, you're asked to contact IHIT. A stay of proceedings has been ordered in the sexual assault case against former Kelowna Mayor Colin Bazran. That decision was made by the special prosecutor in the case after new information was presented by police and defense counsel. The special prosecutor has decided the standard for criminal charges could no longer be met. Bazran was still mayor in May 2022, the time of the alleged offense. Almost all of the details in the case are covered by a publication ban. For the first time today, the jury heard details about the arrest of Ibrahim Ali. He is charged with first-degree murder of a young teen. The arrest happened 14 months after her body was found in Burnaby Central Park. Ramina Dea has the latest and a warning. Some of the details are disturbing.
18: September 7th, 2018, Burnaby RCMP strike force officers are given an arrest briefing in the morning. A target package provided by IHIT with a photo of the suspect, Ibrahim Ali. It was a planned vehicle stop. Police driving with lights and sirens on Imperial Street when Constable Jason Cutler spots the suspect vehicle. The Dodge Caravan forced to a stop. Four people inside, including Ali. Cutler told the court he walked up to the van and in a stern voice told the suspect to keep his hands where he could see them. I walked back up to the passenger window and notified Mr. Ali, told him he was under arrest for murder and to step out of the vehicle and show me his hands. Cutler told the jury Ali was cooperative, no struggle. The officer said he read Ali his rights in English. Asked if he understood, Ali replied, no English. Ali was handcuffed and taken to the Burnaby Detachment. Two other witnesses, an officer and building manager, also testified in relation to a video timeline of the teen's last movements the day she disappeared. The girl, last seen leaving her apartment building July 18th, 2017 at 6.02 p.m. She lived across the street from Burnaby Central Park, where her partially nude body was found the next day. The media has made an application for the release of the booking video of Ali, who has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. Justice Bernard is expected to hear that application Friday. Romina Dea, Global News.
1: New long-term care is coming to Richmond. Richmond Lions Manor will be an eight-story campus of care. Health Minister Adrian Dix says the new care home will offer more than 150 beds, including long-term and hospice care. The former Richmond Lions Manor was closed in 2014 and demolished. The new care home will be built on the original site. Premier David Eby says this new facility will meet the demands of an aging and growing population.
7: This new facility... Uh, is designed to be able to deliver that uh, home-like environment. In particular, it's designed around 12-person households. Each resident will have their own private room. We know how important it is for people to have their own private room. And they will have shared kitchens, dining rooms, and living space. They'll have access to a hairdressing salon and a space for activities and events. And uh, that 37-space childcare facility, uh, that uh, combination of uh, seniors and uh, the newest BC residents.
1: Construction begins in 2025 and is expected to be finished by 2028. It is being called a disaster in the Okanagan. About half of the crop for this year's uh, BC wine vintage uh, is gone. Next on the news hour the devastation caused by the December cold snap and the help wine growers want from government. Also ahead, SFU's NCAA hockey dreams. What it would mean for local kids and what it will take to make it happen. The worst fears of the B.C. wine industry have come to pass. The brutal cold snap that swept across B.C. last December has devastated this year's grape harvest. Jaden Wozni has more on the losses and the
5: potential fallout. This is a disaster. There's no other way uh, to describe it.: President and CEO of Wine Growers .BC. says frigid temperatures that swept through .BC. this past December has left both short-term and long-term devastation on wine grapes, leaving many growers reeling. We're unable to substantiate our
4: fears from uh, this uh, winter freeze event, uh, where it looks as though about half of the crop for this year's uh, .BC. wine vintage
5: uh, is gone. The significant drop is expected to result in over $130 million in direct revenue loss to the B.C. wine industry, with over $200 million in indirect economic revenue loss to the suppliers, B.C. liquor retailers and restaurants. Miles Prodan hopes the federal government will step in to help growers through this challenging year. We need help. What we really need
4: is uh, Victoria to bring Ottawa to the table. Uh, There is money for these kind of dire uh, agricultural um, uh, impacts and uh, disasters. Uh, We've seen it uh, in the Sumac uh, Prairie and down uh, in the Fraser Valley. Uh, So there's programs available.
9: So picking this year would be something like a bit of an Easter egg hunt. Um, You would find a bunch, you'd expose it, but uh, there's not many to speak
5: of, as it were. Grant Stanley manages Spearhead Winery in Kelowna. He fears that this past winter's cold snap may impact grape crops into the future. It isn't just a one-year thing. It tends to be a two- or three-year thing that really weakens the vines and makes them susceptible to you know winter damage uh, in its own right. And that's what we've seen up here. The president and CEO of Wine Growers BC adds that a survey among wine growers found that 45% of the Okanagan's planted grape crop suffered long-term damage as a result of winter's cold snap and that 22% of vines in the region need to be replaced. Jaden Wozny, Global News, Kelowna. Let's get a
1: check of our forecast now. Steph Florian is in for Christy tonight. A pretty nice day around here, but I know you've also been tracking some active weather.
16: Lots going on, but the heat is on. Summer's here. You can see with our day highs today from today that uh, most of southern and central BC feeling that heat. Even the Yukon hit a high of 26 degrees for us. It's a slow climb, 21 for our daytime high today. Seasonal is 20. We're going to be really feeling that heat. We are tracking some upper low cells, and that is going to be the potential for some thunder shower activity out towards the valley. Chilliwack, Hope, potentially even Maple Ridge through the overnight tonight and into your day on Friday. Friday. But for us, we've got this ridge building. That ridge mixed with this uh, these cells from this upper low that is creating some havoc, as you can see with all the thunderstorm activity that's happening right now. We had a warning in place. Now it's a watch. It's moving southeast as you can see into Alberta, but still under that watch for the BC piece as well as for Fort Nelson. So we're keeping an eye on that. We are still expecting this thunder shower activity throughout the weekend, uh, especially through southern and central sections of the province. And with that high and extreme conditions for the fire danger rating of course not great conditions with all this thunder activity and lightning Uh, so that potential is there you can see all the instability even up the sea to sky corridor we could be seeing some of that action Uh, some showers as well some thunder showers in through the day friday saturday as well so uh, for us we've got this ridge building we're expecting to stay very dry for the lower mainland the heat is on inland temperature is going to be reaching 27 degrees here's a look at northern bc so hitting 27 for prince george as you can see the Chance of showers thunder activity is there for northern southern bc the island port alberni could be seeing a few of those hitting 29 degrees lower mainland our temperatures are reaching between 23 and 27 again that risk is there and our five-day forecast is spectacular a few clouds in the mix but otherwise it's hot and summer is on
1: all right thank you steph it's a bit of a substitute teacher news hour tonight but squire is here (laughs) there he is it's nice to have you folks here
13: glad to have you guys thanks here. for
1: letting us into your house well you're welcome
19: you wiped your feet you did yes all the things <laughs> a good guest i'm does. still wearing my shoes we're though. guests uh, yes. um anyway sfu hockey coach mark coletta says if he could get his team into the ncaa a number of good players around bc would make them a top program
12: i mean we we, we would have a competitive division one hockey team in, in in no time
19: it's been a dream for a while but it seems to be getting
1: closer to reality All right, thank you, Squire. Also coming up.
13: And he'd do anything for me for a picture.
1: You've probably seen his work. Now meet the man behind some of BC's most memorable photos.
14: News: The 2023 Canadian Screen Awards have named Global News Hour at Six the country's best local newscast. Thank you, BC, for making Global News Hour at Six your choice for news.
1: You saw BC Place earlier. It looked lovely. I'm sure somebody's in it,
19: but it's not the BC Lions. <laughs>
1: they, Security guard. They went all the way to Winnipeg for they this did.
19: one. Yeah. And that's what we'll start with tonight: the uh, BC Lions against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Rick Campbell. Just saw his team at BC Place get its first shutout win since 1977. But that was against Edmonton, one of the worst teams in the CFL. Now the Lions defense gets to test itself against one of the best, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are averaging just over 43 points a game in their first two outings this year. So let's see how Rick Campbell's defense does against the Bombers. And let's see how his offense does. Well, it gets a little help because Winnipeg takes a pass interference penalty here in the end zone so that puts the ball in the one yard line and that means Dominique Davis whose job it is to run one yard comes in and runs one yard and gets a touchdown to give the Lions a 7-3 lead. Lions defense finding Zach Caleros here that's what you got to do drop this guy he's one of the best in the CFL so that's a good sack by Matthew Betts and then Sean White gets a bit lucky here this is off the post and in he did this last week too. Lions late in the second quarter are leading Winnipeg 10 to 6. Well, here are the highlights from last night's Vancouver Whitecaps Colorado game. They couldn't play because of bad weather in the Denver area. The two teams actually spent 4 hours in the locker room waiting for the game to be postponed. It finally was. There's no date for a makeup game, but they will play a makeup game at some point this year. Now, SFU still doesn't know if it'll have a football team next year, but if they do, they won't be in NCAA Division II like they used to be. However, one day they might be able to get their hockey team into NCAA Division I. It's considered a club team now, but they have been working to get on the NCAA's radar for a long time, and now they are starting to get on the radar. In fact, they'll get to play some of the top schools in NCAA this coming season, exhibition games, of course, in hopes that one day they will be in their league literally and figuratively.
12: This is the time you've waited for, you've worked all year for.
19: Mark Coletta has run
20: the hockey program for 11 years at Simon Fraser, and pretty much from the onset, his main goal was to get SFU into NCAA Division one it's still a work in progress, but he feels more optimistic than ever that the moment will soon arrive. Next season, SFU Hockey has lined up a number of games against top NCAA schools, including superpowers, Boston College, Boston University, and Michigan. All games will be played on the road and, in essence, is a trial run for what it would be like competing on the NCAA
12: stage. Doing what we're going to do next year not only can prove and show, but give us uh, a great primary source on, on what, what budgets would look like and what travel would look like and, and what we need to be competitively and all those good things. It is a giant step up. SFU is competing at the club level right now where they play some other schools from
20: around B.C. and Washington State. The budget to play in the NCAA would be somewhere in the $2 million per season range. But the SFU hockey program
12: has always been self-sufficient and that's the plan going forward. Those partners and and those alumni guys we're working with is always going to be the source of of the budget for the hockey team. Uh, Hopefully corporate dollars would come on top of that. Uh, We're not looking for handouts. We're looking just to provide a great education and hockey platform for local kids. Those local kids could really give SFU instant success, kind of like the Vegas Golden Knights going from expansion to contender immediately. Not only the BCHL, the academies here in BC now the, the Alberta Junior Leagues right next door. I mean, you could really um, cement yourself as a, as a top-flight program within one recruiting class. So next year
20: really could set the stage for the NCAA hockey dream becoming a reality. Prove this program is capable to not only SFU administrators, but also to the NCAA. And it could all happen
12: very soon. My opinion, and only my opinion, would be we could get this done sooner than
19: people think. Possibly 12, 24 months. Victor Wembanyamo of France was taken first overall in the NBA draft tonight by the San Antonio Spurs. This is about as big a surprise as Chicago taking Connor Bedard first overall next week in the NHL draft because Wembanyama is considered one of the best prospects ever, he's 7'5. That's taller than Galas. But he moves like a smaller man. Yes, he would actually look down on Chris, not many can. Uh, this has never happened in the PGA. I mean, a hole-in-one has happened, but never by Rory McIlroy. They actually calculated he has played 3,235 par threes until this happened. It's a 214-yarder. He used his five iron, if you're wondering, his minus two. Surrey's Adam Svensson is plus one at the Travelers Tournament, and Denny McCarthy, the leader, is minus ten after one round. There you go. Good stuff.
1: Thank you, sir. Loved his job, Ralph Bauer spent decades I as a photographer. He's a great guy. You sure do. Yeah. For the sun, he got to meet some pretty famous people. You'll hear his stories and see his work when we come back.
14: This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community.
1: Let's check in with Kamal Karamali. He's here with a preview of Global News at 11. Kamal. Jordan, if you live in Vancouver, your property taxes could see a big spike over the next few years. The Budget Outlook warns Vancouver will need to look at service cuts or property tax hikes in the range of 9% over the next five years. We'll have reaction from the mayor. Plus, A video of a van driving erratically on the Coquihalla has gone viral on Facebook. There it is. Now police are investigating the full video and more on Global News at 11. All right, thanks, Kamal. As a newspaper photographer, Ralph Bauer has captured an entire generation of our province. He has taken some legendary photographs of both sports figures and news events. And Jay Durant caught up with him for This is BC.
13: This is the camera I started my career with.
17: It was 1955 when a young Ralph Bauer had to prove himself at the Vancouver Sun.
13: Now, my first three months, I was pretty nervous. Here is this rookie. A meeting with Bob Hope on the uh, Capilano golf course.
17: But he quickly built his reputation, connecting with legendary entertainers like Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, and a memorable meeting with Elvis in Vancouver in 57.
13: He said, hello, sir, and I said, don't call me sir. I'm only a year older than you, and he thought that was so funny. that, that uh, the Coliseum? Yes.
17: On the sports beat, he captured many great moments with star athletes.
13: Yes, Brazil.
17: Like the time he asked Muhammad Ali to come up with an idea for a photo before his fight with George Cavallo in 72.
13: He got up on the wall and got the fire axe, and he aimed it at me and says, I'm going to work out in Stanley Park with this axe.
4: George Cavallo won't fall. I'll
17: make him fall. At the rink, Bauer started experimenting with a camera in the net, capturing this 1971 photo of Dunk Wilson giving up a goal to Boston.
13: Bobby Orr had skated in and spread a mass of snow on his mask.
17: Over the years, he built friendships with many players. He had a great relationship with Pavel Bury.
13: I'd see him before the game or after the game, and here I got to know this guy so good, and he'd do anything for me for a pitcher. One more time.
17: Thousands of photos published during the course of his career. He's won many awards, receiving the most recognition in 1985, capturing this terrifying scene that had a peaceful resolution, a hostage taken by a father who had lost custody of his son.
13: It ended up a good picture with happy ending.
17: Bauer's last assignment came in 1996 alongside the great one. One more brief moment in time to close out an amazing career.
13: Every minute I loved my job. And I felt I was part of a big family all my life.
1: Jay Durant, Global News. Amazing legacy. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, all you have to do is send an email to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Fortunately, the cameras got a bit smaller over the years. That first one was huge. I <laughs> know. Oh, no one has ever said a bad word about Ralph. Yeah, he's a good he's been guy. around. Loves to spend a lot of time. At least he used to. Probably still does at the racetrack. Ah, okay. That's where you know it from. Steph, uh, before we go, look at the forecast and the weather window.
16: Heat and humidity is on. We're going to be seeing beautiful conditions, the potential for some thunder activity out towards the valley and up the sea to sky. But look at this beautiful photo. It is cloud formation with a rainbow. This is in her backyard at her mother's celebration of life in Campbell River. Absolutely a huge fan of cloud formation. So thanks, Carol, for that one.
1: All right. Thank you for watching the news hour. Kamal and friends will be back with global news at 11. Have a great night. Chris is back tomorrow. Sophie's back next week.